everyone. This is Keith Sarlos from Sarlos and Sons. And today we are going to be flipping the script a little bit. We have, This is our new little segment we have called Finish the Bottle. And what it really is, is about people that we've gotten to know through the tasting room that uh, are interesting characters, because I just feel so blessed. Everybody walks through our front door, um, finds us somehow enjoys our wine somehow with people they love and this is a a way to keep our communication i guess kind of going and so today we have levi and levi sent me an email uh based upon our last podcast saying hey i'm pretty interesting and uh quite honestly i want to interview you and i am happy to uh take off the heavy burden of running an interview and hand it over to him so levi say hello hi hi everybody (laughs) <laughs> yeah, all, all five people that are listening to yeah. us. This is perfect. Don't yeah. don't feel bad. This is like letting people listen into a conversation. So, so tell me, Leo, how did you find us at Sarlos and Sons? Oh man, good question. I um, I think I'd heard it from my my aunt, who I'm very close with, and actually she's a business partner of mine. Um, she's my mom's the oldest of four kids, and my aunt is the youngest, and I'm actually closer to her in age than she is to my mom. They're like. 12 years apart and I'm nine years younger than her. So we, um, she kind of does a lot of wine tasting and, and kind of into that whole culture. And then she told me, I was saying, Hey, we're going to go up to, uh, like Santa Barbara for the weekend. Uh, where should I go? Um, and she said, you should totally go to Starless and Sons. So we, uh, that's, that was it. So that, and that's now been like, man, that was six years ago, maybe five years ago. That's awesome. And that um, that feels so good. I mean, our whole business, we, we don't spend a dollar on marketing or, or um, I mean, if you read any of the emails you get from us, yeah. you see all my spelling mistakes in it anyway. Yeah. But just to have somebody recommend us is an incredible honor. Well, man. It feels so good. Yeah, and I've done that a lot since then. I think what, what really- Thank you. My wife and I talk about it is, um, my wife's name is Jess. So we talk about um, that there's no tasting notes. And I think I was, yeah. you know, I mean- I'm 30 now, so I was maybe 24 or something when I first stepped in there. And that attitude, I think that was that had been what was unapproachable to me about wine was just what I felt like was, I mean, I guess a lot of inauthenticity about you yeah. know, telling me what this tastes like and and not telling me what it tasted like and just saying, and I, I mean, I don't know who said it, but uh, uh, you know, it might have been uh, Brad or someone when I was at the at the at the counter for the first time just said, "What do you think it tastes like?" You know, and I said, oh, yeah, right. Good. That's what I care about, you know. So and then, yeah, just I'm, we've been up to uh, we've come up to, you know, we've been at I guess I've, we've only ever made it to one um, uh, vineyard day, which was amazing. Um, I've just it's, awesome. It's, it hasn't been in our schedule um, or been a conflict too many times. So we, we love that. And, you know, we're just we're big. We're huge fans. So that's awesome. I mean, the whole point with us um you know, when I first started off, I just, there just seems so much BS in tasting notes, you know, and, and it, I never, I never read a tasting note that made me feel better. Right. You know what I mean? And if, if, if I have something that I taste, I think one of the most, I don't know, um, egotistical moments is when I say, oh, I'm right and you're wrong. And the whole beautiful point of, of wine, just like I always equate it to music, is if I listen, if I sit down and listen to a song 
you know, some people might hear that song and, and it doesn't even penetrate their skin. Yeah. Right. And then the next person comes along, hears that song, hears words, and all of a sudden are reduced to tears. Yeah. Yeah. And I think wine is so much like that. It's you want to taste the right thing at the right time. And all of a sudden, if, if, it, if it grabs you and holds you, you know, we made that connection, right. which has always been a, you know, for us, wine has always been this thing where it's community. It's, yeah. it is, um, what's the, it's communion. Right. It sounds really weird no, to say that, totally but the, the that. Com- yeah, yeah the, the communion of it is, we sit down, we open a bottle, we all are tasting the same thing at the same yeah. time. No one's looking at their phones. We're all in the same moment. Yeah. And it's that little like Thanksgiving dinner with people you love where you're doing the thing, but you're all feeling the same vibe. You know, I think like Coachella's coming up. Yeah. That's why people go, yeah. you know, they want to be there in the group, all feeling the same thing at the same time. And wine is a little 750 milliliters of us trying to share what we do. Right. So I have a picture in my awesome, office. Man. I have a picture in my office here. It's me and my friend Matt Colby, a longtime friend of mine. And we're in your back room actually at the table with the lazy Susan in it. And awesome. He is why I have it is he, I, I don't know what we're talking about, but he is having like the laugh of his life in this picture. Epic. And it's awesome. It's, uh, and that was uh that was I think like uh between Christmas and New Year's like three years ago. And that was just that was a great, great day it was six of us in that room yeah and, you know like you like you're saying sharing that community so my wife um blogs about making pies she makes she's been making pies for a bunch of years and i think oh and one thing i i need to i like you levi yeah. but i feel like i need to get to know your wife yeah, one, <laughs> one thing i like about uh about pie is there's kind of this really interesting um dynamic that if you make a pie like just for yourself and then eat the whole thing by yourself. It's like a, it's so gross. Like it's that's like in a way that's kind of like a total waste. Like, and someone says to you, "Oh man, you just ate that all by yourself, you animal." You know, and it's like, and I, right. I feel like it, that shares it with wine, like pies and wine. You are so right on. You are so right on. Shared. And you can't, and like, it's okay. I mean, I, I'm not saying I haven't drank a whole wine bottle by myself before, but you don't, sure. you don't feel good. You don't feel good about yourself after, you know, you're like, you're, you know, it's, it is something that's meant to be a shared experience. But that beautiful part about like, if you take a pie, you know, when people think about a pie, they think of going to someone's house and bringing a pie right. to share, yeah. you know? And, and the, I think the wine bottle is, is a perfect analog for, you know, you go over to someone's house, you bring a bottle of wine. The whole point of that is you're going to drink it with those people that night yeah. in an event yep. and, and draw each other closer because you're doing it. Yep. That's, I love it, man. That is so I'd, – I'd rather read a pie blog than a wine blog <laughs> any day. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you the link. I love uh, it. But, yeah, and, and that's actually something I've done on my now – on my, like, you know, the last, last few years of, of taking wine and – you know, I guess a little more seriously, it's still not super serious, but is, um, I don't, I'm not really a fan of, I used to save tons of stuff like seller, you know, seller things and keep it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I feel like the problem is whenever I do that, I'm just relating it to, I'm usually just relating it to the first experience I had with that wine. And it's kind of hmm. hard sometimes to compare moments, you know, like, cause that's what I'm, that's kind of what I'm trying to do. I, but maybe that's what's the advantage of wine is it changes so much sometimes, you know, and 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, so I'm still, that's something I still kind of wrestle with. Well, here, I'll give you my perspective yeah. on that. You know, I, I think um, a, I think the cool part about wine is you get to have this liquid container, if you will, of a moment. Yeah. And, you know, you're sitting in the back room, we're hanging out, you drink it. You're like, man, that's, that's the song on the album I connect with. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you, when you grab that bottle and bring it home with you, it's like saying, oh, I want to play this song for this group of people tonight. Okay. And we're going to have a good time. And what I always find is if someone's excited about drinking a bottle of wine, um, you're there to, it's. They're pouring it for you, but you're there to experience it with them. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So if I chose this bottle to bring tonight, the if you're participating, if they give it to you, the whole point of you doing it now is to like focus in, sit down, drink it, and go, so tell me why this bottle. Tell me about yeah, it. Why I love right. it. Right. Why this one? And you usually you get the amazing stories from people about why they chose this one just for you. Yeah. And it's such a it's such a rad community to cool. share. Yeah, you know cool. what I mean? Yeah. So why did you want to? T- we, we could talk about this stuff all day, yeah, but yeah, you yeah. did some work, and uh, and I, I'm more than honored to have somebody want to talk to me about some stuff. Yeah. So I'm going to hand this whole thing over to great, you. Great. Yeah. Well, there's two. You're running this thing. Awesome. Go for it. Yeah. There was two things. I mean, when you you uh, you kind of asked for ideas, and I said, well, what I want to do is ask Keith kind of two questions because I've been gearing up now uh, for, uh, we're having our first daughter. So my wife and I, Mm -hmm. Jess and I've been married for nine years and we're having our first child in, uh, the due date is June 15th. So on or around there. And, um, Hey, that's, that's, Hey, if she waits one day, that's my birthday. Way to go. Way to go. June birthday. My birthday's in June. Actually, my birthday is June 1st. So she could be near mine as well, but, um, that's awesome. So, so yeah, I've just been thinking a lot about parenting really from, I mean, I, I, you know, thinking about doing it for my first time and uh, trying to read books and just kind of gather ideas about parenting. But also I've, I've got this book. Um, I bought it a year ago uh, from vines to wines and cause I don't have a ton of property, but um, like it's not a particularly large backyard, but I, but I have maybe another place I can do some planting and I want to actually plant some grapes just cause it would be fun. I mean, I, I've, I've done, I've, I've been a home brewer for, a while and I think I would get a kick out of just having a, a wine that we made. I know it wouldn't, I'm not expecting it to be good, but just that it would be ours, I think would be, yeah. uh, would be cool. So, well, Hey man, I, that's, that's exactly how we started. Yeah. So you're on the way. Well, good. Keep going. So, keep that, going. so those two things I thought, well, this is really a time, this kind of a moment where I really want to talk to Keith kind of some specific questions because I'm about to kind of embark on, you know, two you know, two kind of missions here, obviously one much larger than the other in, in having, uh, having kids for our first time and then, uh, and then planting, you know, planting grapes. So, yeah, so I just had a bunch of questions. So that was, uh, that's really, uh, you know, what, what sparked this. So let me start. Um, what do you, what do you remember particularly about the first year of parenting? Because that's kind of the next step for me. You know, I think the first year of parenting for me was, um, I think particularly the hardest year for me. Um, and I'll tell you why, because 
I, I what the thing that I have learned is there are people who are um, puppy people. Okay. And what I mean by that is the little, you know, the little I know about you, but by being a home brewer, number one, you have patience. Right. You know, that's something that you can't rush through. Um, and when you are eventually reading to your kids, you know, my son has caught me and says, why are you reading so fast? And I go, what? He goes, you're reading fast. He goes, what are you doing? And in my mind, it clicked super hard. And I realized I am reading fast and I'm trying to get through a story. But really what I should be doing is sitting back, relaxing and realizing <clears throat> I'm not going to read to this kid forever. Slow down and enjoy the moment. Right. So when going back to the puppy thing, I'm not really a puppy guy. I love puppies. They're awesome. But I also realize that I am not super great with things that are really, really dependent. And uh, selfishly, when my kids, st when I started seeing the light come back from them, mm -hmm. where you would say something and they look at you or mimic you or start walking or crawling to you, that's when everything started kicking in. So I won't say the first year, but like the first couple of months is pretty hard because you're basically just trying to keep something alive, right? right? And, and I, my advice to you is whatever you think that you're doing right, is do, you're doing right. And don't let books um, sway you from the path of your gut. Okay. And I think that's, that's one of the best pieces of advice that I kind of, I think I got from my dad where he's like, listen, there are going to be a million babies born in China today. And there's a million babies born in America today. Uh, they're all going to be pretty much okay. Yeah. He goes, it's pretty easy to keep these things alive. We've been doing it a really long right. time, you know, and, and because when they, when they take that baby from the hospital and you strap it into the car seat that you have to, you know, they check out to make sure it's okay. That's the last time anybody is giving you any instruction, right? Everything after that is completely winging it. And just for you asking me that question, you're ready to be a dad. Yeah. Because if you're asking people like, so what do you think about this? I always think, I don't think my parents ever, and definitely not my grandparents, ask their friends about how to parent. Yeah, interesting. They just kind of did right. it, you know. Um, my buddy Strider said really, really succinctly, he goes, when we were kids, it was really tough to be a kid and really easy to be an adult huh. because it seemed like, when you're on your, you're a kid and you're kind of on your own, you're figuring stuff out and being an adult was like, Oh, I have kids, you know, just come home before the lights are on. Cool. And now it's vice versa where kids almost have, their parents are thinking about them. You know, it's a, like a, like, it's almost like a child centric culture yeah, yeah. where you're thinking about your kids nonstop. Am I being a good parent? Am I a hover parent? Right. Am I a free range parent? What, what am I? Right. And talking to your friends about it. And then being a kid, you're like, I'm a kid, man. I just do whatever I do. And the burden kind of translates instead of it being t easy to be a kid and tough or tough to be a kid and easy to be a parent. Now it's just, it's vice versa where we're putting all kinds of burdens on ourselves. But back to your original question, the first year of being a parent is, 
it's the time that you and your wife will become selfless mm -hmm. up, up until now, everything you do is hundred percent selfish. You know, I, I want to go brew beer. I'm going to go do right. it. I want to go here for dinner. I'm going to go do it. Um, when you have a child all of a sudden come on, then all of a sudden the everything selfish in your life, you realize that you love something so much that you are willing to put all of that on hold for them. And it's a very bizarre feeling, but it's also, I think, pretty natural. Yeah. Um, you're going to have way less time than you ever had in your life right. in just in general. Um, and I think the really interesting or the thing that my wife and I did, which we might have got a lot of stares for, but we really didn't care after a while was we you have two decisions you have one decision where you're going to either totally change your life uh and to accommodate this your new child that you love and what i mean by that is we're not going to go out to dinner we have to be home by this time we have a schedule for our child and this is how we're going to do it which is perfectly yeah. fine the thing that my wife and i did was i think a little counterintuitive to that. We said, you know, we kind of like our life and we're just going to drag our kids along with right. us. And when we did that, it was tough at first, but my kids kind of know how to act in restaurants. Right. My kids kind of know how to act when we do long road trips. My kids kind of know how to act with pretty much any situation in life because they um, kind of like the same way my dad and mom raised me, which was they weren't, we don't really give them a lot of instruction, but we let them watch everything we do. Right. And they get to soak in everything through their own eyes. Um, cause it's, it's kind of that mindset of, uh, you know, my dad said, you know, if you, if you sermons are, are, if somebody's yelling at you or, or preaching to you, that never lands. Yeah. Right. The best sermons are the ones where, people are just soaking it in through their eyes and they go, Oh, so that's it. And pretty soon your kids don't know that that's weird. They're just kind of doing right. stuff and they're always doing it with you and they kind of figure it out on their own. So that was, that was our way to raise what has been come to be uh, known around our friends as free range kids. Yeah. Um, yeah, my son rides his bike to school and they probably have way too much freedom. Um, but with that freedom comes what we call the trust bank. And we say, you keep putting coins in the trust bank, the rope gets longer. Right. You crack the trust bank, the rope gets drug in two inches. Yeah. And they're pretty great about it, you know. So that was a long-winded answer to no, your very quick no, question. Good, yeah. Um, yeah. Just just trust your instinct, you know. And, and if you and your wife love each right. other – your kid that's the best gift you can give any child right, yeah, that's my favorite you know that's that's, my, that's the game that's my favorite quote is the best thing you can do for your kids is love your wife and i think that's absolutely i want to keep in mind um so yeah you kind of uh you talk about seeing the light come back that was interesting do you um yeah. do you have a specific memory or do you think that or do you think it was just kind of a period of time that you kind of started to see that happen well, I guess our situation was a little weird because um, <clears throat> my wife and I were living in Long Beach, loving it, you know, Belmont Shores, mm -hmm. good jobs, you know, doing whatever we we're doing. 
But my deal with my wife was as soon as you're pregnant, we are moving from Long Beach to the Valley full time. And when that happened, we, within two weeks of Brielle being born, we were here living in a barn <clears throat> that only had a potbelly stove for oh, wow. heat. And our, be- and our baby slept between us and then harvest started. And this was before, you know, the internet or Amazon delivery. Yeah, yeah. And I basically green acred my wife up here with a newborn baby. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's the equivalent of getting on a boat in Ellis, yeah. I- you know, going to Ellis Island across the country. It was so foreign. It was That's crazy. Pretty intense, yeah. It, it was yeah. pretty heavy. It absolutely was. And, um, uh, you know, for years it was, it was really, really hard and it was a lot of second right. guessing, but <clears throat> I, I knew that this was the right place to raise kids. We knew that this was the right place to raise yeah. kids. And with my daughter, the part that I always remember is, is, um, you know, we lived in a barn, so there wasn't really rooms right. and, she learned to walk really fast because we had concrete floors and then, uh, you know, no real, no real crib, right. you know, cause she kind of just slept between us because it was the warmest place right, in the right. place. And, um, I just remember there was kind of this one moment where, and I probably will just remember it forever, but she crawled front. She got out, we put her down uh-huh. to bed. She crawled out of bed. And then stood with her kind of face between these, uh, like a, uh, you could look up into the second part of the barn and she kind of had her face between it. And me and my wife were sitting downstairs and we kind of just looked up and there was this human looking down and like smiling at us that, you know, it kind of showed number one, she was mobile. Number two, she wanted to be with us. And, all of a sudden that was like the beginning of her personality and her first word was hot because we had that pot belly <laughs> stove and she, she burned her naked little butt on it one day and, and she would just go hot and just put her hand next to it. You know, that was like the, 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 the most dangerous thing in the place. Right. Um, so yes, my, my children were born in a barn basically. Yeah. Um, and then I remember with cash when he came along, um, you know, that one was even tougher because, uh, my wife was pregnant. We had, uh, three businesses. We were doing everything we can to afford to live here and, and move forward. And, um, where the tasting room now was my, my wife had a spa okay. here and we moved it and she was pregnant the whole time. And it was basically this moment of, uh, it was a darkness for me is a really weird way to put it because it was like, nothing's working. And I moved this family up here and I have a baby on the way and this yeah. whole thing. And I would absolutely say that, you know, Sarlson sons is here because my daughter moved us here. And then my son was the reason we had, we had to make this double down. We're all in on the tasting room. And I just remember him sleeping there and looking at him. And saying, you know, your dad's not going to be a failure. And, um, you know, promising him as he grows up, we're going to make it. And I'm going to do whatever I can. But that also translates to, am I the best dad in the world? And it's like, no, not really. But uh, because I work six days a week, you know, and um, 
on the other side of it, uh, my kids see me probably 10 times more than if I drove away in the morning and had weekends with them because they do their homework on a bar. You know what I mean? And they think this is totally normal, which I, which I love, but you know, I think having kids is, is one of the greatest motivating factors in my life. Um, you know, we have that honor and prepare label, which I think is, is a big personification of that. It's like at some point in your life, you, you need to figure out who you want to be as an adult, because I still feel like I'm in, you know, elongated adolescence. I don't feel like an Mm. adult. Right. Um, but I also look at my kids and realize that I will get up and work every day of my life to prepare the way for them to come. And at the same time, you know, my work affords me the ability to honor my, my folks and my grandparents and my family. And I, I get a, if you can find that sweet spot in your life where you wake up in the morning and you're excited to do everything that you want to do and you can drag your kids along, you know, that to me, that's the, you never want to retire and you just want to keep everything the way it is for the rest of your life. But you, you have to go through hard times to figure that out, you know, and you appreciate it. Hmm. That was long winded again. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Is there, so now I'm kind of thinking about surprises. Like, was there anything about, uh, about having kids that was a total surprise to you? Like you really hadn't even heard about it or suspected it or, Oh my gosh, they do oh, yeah. tons of things, but do you think of anything like that? I think that you realize how much you love your children when when you are looking them dead in their eye and you can tell they're going to throw up on you. And when they throw up on you, you instinctively cup your hands to catch what they're going to throw up. That is the most disgusting <laughs> thing you can possibly right, think yeah. of, right? But you can't name another human being on earth that you would right. do that for. And to me, that was the personification of not only, not only how much I love these children or I, how much I love my kids, but there is a depth of like, you think, Oh, I love my wife more than anyone in the world. And then these kids come along and I never would catch my wife's right. puke yeah, in my that's, hands. That's, that's the difference. That's right? funny. Yeah, there's no way you would tell it. You know, you'd be. I mean, I'd obviously help her and you know rub her back or whatever. But I'm not sure. going to catch it in your hands. Yeah. No. And and all of a sudden you realize I've been loving everything at what I believe to be what I used to think was a hundred, and now I I know is at right. fifty. Because the next door that you open when you have kids recalibrates uh, how much love you have for someone or something in your life. And I think that was the thing that, to me, realized how, how much on the surface of things I've been living, you know. And going back to the wine thing, it, it's the reason, like, you know, I don't view wine as a beverage. I view wine as an opportunity for right. community and uh, and to to sit and share something with someone. And it's not that I want to be heavy with people all the time or anything like that. But 
it, it all of a sudden realized when, when you're going to cut your kid's puke um, that you've been lying, not just lying to yourself, but you had no idea the level that you could care right. about people. And I think it recalibrates that. So maybe, you know, the going forward part of it is you look at your parents differently and you look at your friends differently and you look at your best friends differently and you realize the amount of, you know, because if you look at your folks, they were once like you. They had dreams and hopes and aspirations and all kinds of great stuff. And when you came along, they kind of shelved most of that shit. You know, and you're going to do that for your kids, too. But I think if when you when you accept it and you lean into it, it, it's uh, it's very freeing. You know, that's something. Yeah, something my mom says uh, is when her first child was born, which is me, it just feels like the the heart that you have grows. It's not that you lose Mm -hmm. or not that it pushes out something else or. Or yeah, like um, you don't have to, you, you don't reallocate resources. You get brand new loving capacity, and then it happens. And she says it happens again mm-hmm. for the because I've have, I've have one brother. So she said it's the same thing. The heart, my heart grew again, and I thought yeah. that was a that's a, that's a good way to understand it. It's I think we limit ourselves so much as just people, like right. the amount of. Um, pain we can bear the amount of uh, uncomfortable nature we can bear and i think also we limit ourselves with our connections with our friends and family and and you know no one has ever been upset if you call them out of the blue and go hey i just want to tell you you know i thought about you and i love you and yeah. uh, uh it might be uncomfortable or a little bizarre or weird or whatever but people you know what's that that feeling of an easiness passes that honesty I think remains, mm. you know? And like, I, I think the other thing is tell your kids you love them so much and why you love them so much that pretty soon they're like, yeah, I know, I get it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. you know, kind of a thing. And, and embarrass your, like the, my favorite thing to do now is like when I drop my daughter off at school, I just embarrass her <laughs> and I'm like, I love you and honk their horn and stuff like that. And all our friends turns around and, the first time I did it, she was mortified. And then pretty soon all of her friends were like laughing and waiting for us to do it and going, I love you, Brielle, when we would drop her off. Right. And I'm like, that's the way I wish I started every day of my school. Right. You know, yeah, that would, just yeah. your friends laughing with you and excited that you're there and telling yeah. you they love you. All of a sudden, they don't have to worry about 90% of whatever happens in their life. They're already like, ah, you know, this is pretty good. All right. Yeah. And and they they live their life unencumbered, right? What's um something about your parents? You mentioned them. Do you do you can you think of anything that uh, your parents um, specifically said or did that then you completely copied? So not not that you avoided, but just that you oh. absolutely passed on from them. Yeah, um, I grew up uh, about a quarter mile away from my grandparents. And, uh, I knew my grandparents really, really well, both sides. Right. And I spent a lot of time with them and I hung out with them. And if your parents tell you to do something, it's, you know, that's an authority figure kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. And usually you rebel against it. But if you're, if your grandparents tell it to you, it always comes from the place of like, they're the person that sneaks you ice cream right. and, or whatever. And, 
and it's I've always used the uh, analogy of like waypoints or buoys. Yeah. Right. And if I look at my grandparents and then I look at my parents and I just would line up those two buoys in my life, it, it felt like I was on the right course. Mm. Hmm. And my, you know, my grandparents, it's like, if I want to go be a screw off or do whatever, you know, then your, your name is Keith. But if you want to be a Sarlos, you, you have to live your life a certain way. Yeah. And because it's like, I've had this name a lot longer than you and you're living up to that. And moving here for me was, I wanted to give my, my children that same experience of mm-hmm. knowing their grandparents really well on both sides. Cause we're really fortunate. My wife's parents are absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and my kids and my my parents spend a ridiculously large amount of time together. And my mom is like, we always joke. She's the saint because she's like seriously one of the great, greatest moms on the planet. Right. It's just unreal. And my, my son goes, where's Brielle? This was like last week. I'm like, Oh, she's, you know, making bread with grandma. He's like, and I'm with you. I'm like, yeah, you're with me today, bud. <laughs> and and I go, what What are you talking about? He's like, I go, you love grandma? He goes, have you met that woman? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I know. Cool. She's, she's the greatest, right? That's pretty cool. And I'm like, think about her being your mom. He's like, unreal. Just unreal. <laughs> you know? That's awesome. <laughs> totally. And and my dad and my 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 daughter and my, my son spent a lot of time with my dad, like doing stuff. Yeah. And, I think truthfully, they like to impress them. Yeah. And by, by doing that, they have this really kind of great relationship that, uh, keeps them, you know, it it sounds dumb, but I think it keeps them on a certain amount of the straight and narrow Mm. because my dad goes, Hey, listen, you know, I've seen him correct my son where my son's being, you know, a couple of years ago where he's kind of being a normal, you know, seven year old boy being kind of a jerk and whatever. And my dad's like, Hey, we don't act like that. And it's my, you could watch my son's spine snap into attention. And he's like, no, that's, that's not what we do. Come here. This is what we do. This is how we handle ourselves. Okay. Right. And it was, it wasn't a big thing, but if I would have done it, he would have been dad, come on, you know, eh, eh, eh." and having that separation with my parents, my dad, it really like, Oh, it's kind of like, I literally like an Oh shit moment in my son's eyes where he's like, Oh, you know, the, the, the guy I can't screw, screw around with is talking to me. I got to get this, get this lined up. And I've seen their personalities kind of, uh, be very much shaped by not just me and my wife and I, but, but all of their grandparents. And I think more or less, uh, not just how to act, but, um, values, and I think a lot of that old school, um, baby boomer, post-war, you know, yeah. be nice, look people in the eye, shake their hands, all the old school, good, good stuff. Um, I can see that really coming out in both of them Yeah, where, you know, those few moments that my, my parents have, have had to, or correct, or just love on them in a certain way. It makes, you know they they know that my parents are going to be in the sitting right next to me at all of their events right. you know or giving them a high five at the end of it and i think that's that's part of that little family unit that makes them go oh this is how we act right right 
And like at this point, I, I know their friends are going to become much more of a, an influencing factor in their life. But, you know, uh, I still remember when my, when I started, you know, growing my horns, as they say, yeah. uh, I remember, you know, stuff I would do or wouldn't do because I didn't want to face the wrath of, uh, not just my old man, but, um, you know, my, my grandpa as well. Like, Hey, what are you doing? Right. You know, what is that about? Hmm. And it, you know, my dad, I could schluff off my, my grandpa was way harder, Interesting. you know? it's like that's the old book yeah 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 huh yeah i was i i i hear i can resonate with a lot of things you're saying we had we have i've been close to a bunch of my grandparents and it is it is have when they have the same values as your parents um you know and everyone's kind of pushing in the same direction you can really feel that as a kid Um, yeah and that this is important you know this has been important for a long time um I totally see that. And I also see the work ethic. Interesting. I think that's the other thing. I mean, my, my grandpa Sarlos had a, a really amazing work ethic. My, my grandpa Mespin on uh, my mom's side, both, both grandpa and grandma, not just the guys, but they, uh, uh, he was a carpenter and would do stuff that nobody else would do. Right. Um, Like he, you know, there's like a, they were building a church somewhere and he was the only guy that would climb up to the top and throw his leg over the peak right. while they were framing it and do it. Yeah. Right. He was just tough as nails. Didn't say five words to me his whole life. And my mom goes, he talks to you more than he ever talked yeah. to me. They had six kids. <laughs> He's just a quiet yeah, wow. brute, you know? And, uh, that work ethic was, you know, that, that, and I, I always think in our family, the, the gold watch that gets handed down is always work ethic. And I see it now, even, you know, I, I, I hope I have a really strong one. I think I do. Yeah. Um, but then I see that with both of my kids, my daughter, you know, being 13, especially where she goes all the way, you know, she's like, well, my time's worth nothing. What am I going to do? Watch TV and just, just any, any goal she has, her work ethic will get her there. You know, I always think we're talentless, but we're always willing to work harder than anyone else. Oh, yeah, that, that gets you there. Yeah. Huh. Um, cool. Well, we can switch. Yeah. What else you got? Keep it going, mine. man. This yeah. Is uh, so I guess when I think about like my personality type is I'm um, I'm not a perfectionist is a, a, I mean, in some ways, kind of a flaw of mine. Like I. I'm very liable to do something at 80% and then consider it done. And, mm-hmm. and you, your stories are like what you've talked about in the past on, uh, or whatever, like on the videos or on Instagram, whatever is like, you talk about these failures that you had when you started wine mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. is what I'm, and that's like allowing yourself to fail. So it is, is an interesting idea for me because I'm, I'd rather just turn in a, turn in a C grade thing than call it a failure. And, I, and it's something I know about myself, and so I think it is something I'm kind of working on, because I think when it gets down to wine in particular, it's a lot less forgiving than like my homebrewing experience. Like you can make a pretty okay beer uh, pretty easily, but wine is not mm-hmm. the same. So talk about that. Well, here's the difference. Here's the difference between beer and wine. Beer is a baking recipe. Right. Like when you are going, when you are homebrewing, right. what you are doing is you are approaching it as a um, engineer and you get all the different grain in the proportions you want to, just like you're baking a cookie. 
And then you're going through the process and you're trying to hit numbers at the right time, uh, add things at the right time. And then your, um, what your byproduct is this beer, right? right? And where you've already started with a pretty solid recipe, um, and the grain is already there, you're starting from a really strong base. It's not like building a car from scratch. It's almost like you have all of the parts you just need to assemble. Now with wine, wine is, is way more in the other direction. So from, if you are growing your own grapes, you have started the winemaking process before the day after you picked your grape for the previous harvest you're ripping you're tending you're very much being a parent just like you're going to be a parent of your child you're the parent of that vineyard you are the steward yeah um you're out there uh responding to weather you're out there you know if there's a frost you're sitting up at night just like if your kid has a fever um you are there along this entire process. And and my father and I say it, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, but it's, it's as close as a man can be to being pregnant, Interesting, you know, to growing a spleen in your belly. <laughs> and by being a farmer, you're, you're just doing that. You're there touching, fixing, doing everything you can to get this grape to maturity and then making the decision to deliver and, or pick on the right day. Because all of that is happening in 364 days. And then what you do in the winery is now in the brewing process. You are just there to make sure that the things happen the right way. So that the, if you're, if you're a, like us in a state winery, I can't really speak to anything else. Um, we're not here to blend a bunch of different vineyards together to get to a taste. Right. We are here to make a wine that is a reflection of that yeah. year. That's why we never remake any wines. Our wines are like one off because the year is going to change. Everything is going to change. And our goal is not to bend. Like when you have two children say, Oh, the first one's good. Let's just do everything we did with this one and we'll get the same result. And the answer is you're not going to, you know, it's much more like being a fisherman where every year you're farming, you're getting a little bit more education. Your gut feel is becoming truer. Yeah. Um, you don't know how to catch a fish you're not putting, but you know, kind of where to go and you know, kind of what to use, but the repetition and the effort has to be there first. It's not going to be like, Oh, I just showed up to some random spot and I'm using, you know, some lure and I'm going to catch a billion right. fish. It's like, no, all of the work is done in the, in the pregame, right. you know, you don't, you don't hit a home run in the ninth inning of the world series right. because yeah. you're meant to do that. You you spent your life in a batting cage locked away, hitting and hitting and hitting and hitting until you have so much confidence that when the ball comes, you can read every single pitch and make every micro adjustment without thinking. So you can connect and hit a home run. But the truth of it is you, the best people in the world hit 40, you know, 40 a right. year, maybe right. ever. Right. And uh, the best batting average is 33%. Yeah. So a- as you're farming and as you're making wine and things like that, um, 
the failure portion of it is that should be expected. But in wine, more than more than you know, other things, people were successful at something else in their life, and now they're going to pay someone to farm for them. They're going to pay someone to make wine for them, pay someone to make their labels, pay someone to do all that stuff. But if that was a band, then why would your name be on right. the label? Because you paid someone to write your songs, you paid someone to sing them for you, you paid someone to play the the guitar for you, you paid someone to make the album art, you paid, why would you be on the album? You didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Um, so I think the the part that I love the most of not just, you know, making wine, but also failing is if you fail hard and you fail fast and you're just willing to be like, you know, sh- just shelve any sense of self-entitlement you may have, just right. like with your child, the selfishness is going to be replaced by selflessness. All of a sudden, anything that happens that's good, you are so happy about and you are so willing to give yourself over to the game completely that you if you if you if you don't do some of that stuff, um, you feel like, you know, um, I don't know how to really even say it. You just feel like. I feel such an honor to be able to do this that I can't right. lie to this game, you know, because without it, I'd be nothing or I can't give back like this. Like you and I are having a conversation right now about family and children and wine and farming because we're really crappy apple farmers that we've failed so many right. times in right. our life that has led us to this moment, you know, like everything that's everything that's preparing us for the thing that we're going to do yeah. has already happened to us, you know, but that's hmm. always the key ingredient. So have you, this is what I want to imagine. Have you actually thrown out wine? Like, have you guys failed to the point where you poured it all out? No, we have never failed on a wine. We have failed on the vine. Okay. We have not picked like our Moved, right? We haven't picked a whole crop of Moved because we didn't think it was okay. We have cut grapes and thrown them on the ground because we did not think they were up to our um, level. Yeah, what you're looking for, yeah. And, and I will straight up honestly tell you that we, people found out we did that and said, can I go pick up those grapes and make a wine with it? Yeah. And we said, oh, sure. And they did. Oh, wow. Okay, that's crazy. Right? Wow, yeah. Um, so that 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 comes to our level of expectation with ourselves yeah. because you, you can make a bad wine from a bad grape and you can make a bad wine from a good grape. But the only way you can make a truly great wine is to start with a truly great grape. Hmm. And that's where we have, we've never failed in the winery because wine, the wine is like saying um, you had a bad brew batch. Right. Right. But but if you hit your numbers and you do the things you're supposed to do, you're going to be okay. Yeah, it's pretty but if hard. You started with rotten grain or right. a grain you didn't think was up to snuff. You'll never have the opportunity to make a great beer. That's true. Yeah. But that all started with the farmer. That had nothing to do with you brewing. Right, exactly. That had to do with the product that was brought to your door. Yeah. And that's I think where 99% of like right now my dad is driving back and forth on a vineyard mowing grass down looking at every vine, you know, growing a spleen, you know, and that's, that's where I, I I believe, and I will always believe that every piece of magic and wine happens. 
at at the you're saying at the uh at the field at the grape level at the grape level well it's kind of like i always think ansel adams right right you do all that effort to be in the right place at the right time you have the right equipment you know to a certain extent but you had to be there to hit the plunger yeah those photos are only amazing because of what was already there yeah interesting and I think that is very much the wine part of it as well. Yeah. I mean, you're hitting the plunger. What day are we going to pick? You know, our winemaking process in the winery is very simple. Yeah. It's almost stupid. Right. Um, but it all happened out in the vineyard and our job is not to get in the way of it. You know, it's like if you think about steak yeah. or you think about any food, you know, the perfect uh, the perfect carrot will be amazing. Not because I chef did anything to it right but it was presented correctly right and it was grown correctly and somebody gave a shit yeah you know that that's most of it do you have a favorite grape yeah i do actually strangely grenache mm-hmm. i love grenache and i like grenache for a couple different reasons one mostly because it's the farmer's grape and what i mean by that it is resilient it's uh good yields uh, lots of gallons per ton. Yeah. It tastes, I mean, it is just, it's the most widely planted and most widely consumed wine grape on the planet. Right. Wow. But we in America don't know that. Yeah, that's interesting. But Grenache has always been like, uh, that's if, if, if the Sarlos family was a, a wine grape, it's the Grenache, big barrel chested, you know, uh, awesome wine. But then on the, the other side of it, when you, when you bring it to a party, it's always the first bottle gone. Because it, I always like saying it's the Tom Hanks of wine, where it's the best thing in the world. It can also be in Booze and Buddies and just be like a porch pounder. Yeah, uh, it makes awesome granat. It makes awesome rosé. Yeah, um, it has everything everybody loves about it. It's it's what Pinot Noir wishes it could be. It's Syrah without the bite. Right. It's Cab without the spice. It is like that whatever band you love that you you had that cd in your uh in your cd player back in the day that it just lived there for yeah. a year cuz everybody has one of those that's what grenache is it is it's gold yeah. you know i think people identify with Syrah because they like the bite yeah uh people identify with cab cuz they like the spice but Grenache is the the dead center of the Venn diagram of of flavor mm-hmm. and taste, and it's the uh, it, uh, if it's a guy, it's the one you want to marry. Um, if it's the you know right. the girl, it's it's my wife. You know, it's just it's always beautiful. There's nothing you fatigue from by drinking it. Um, it's like the world's best cup of coffee. <laughs> Where you're like, dude, this so is good. awesome. I could drink this the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, you know, if it was a beer, it, it's it's that. What would it be if it was a beer? Well, that's, yeah, that's a fun one. What would it's, it be? Well, it's definitely not like Coors Light or anything like that. It, it's it's got richness without being a like a bullshit over hopped yeah. IPA. It's it's just that you know, like a Guinness. Yeah where everybody loves Guinness, you know, um, it's definitely rich and full, but it's also, you're like, Oh, this is the lowest calories in the, in any yeah. beer Guinness really. But 
you know, I would have to say it's probably a Guinness if you got to drink it from the tap in uh, in Ireland, Ireland yeah. you know, just, yeah. When people come back and go, Oh, Guinness in the United States sucks or whatever. Right. Yeah. I totally yeah. agree. But it's, it's what, I don't know, man, Guinness may be even too dark, cool. but That's, it's like I mean, that good. I was, uh, yeah. I was curious. Cause uh, like, I think I love one, you know, one of the corny parenting lines is you can't choose between your children, which I think is kind of hard. Oh, for me that's to not true. You totally can. You totally can. <laughs> okay. Good. Well, I was wondering if, I was wondering if wine grapes was no, the same way for, you know, for someone who was no, it's, I've, but here's the thing. I love Syrah. Syrah is the first grape we ever planted. It's like my oldest son. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, right. we, Grenache was this grape that came on because we had 20% of our vineyard freeze overnight. We lost all of it. We bud grafted over to Grenache. We had to get to know it like a second child. But yeah. what's great about Grenache from a farmer's standpoint is your yield per ton is high. Or I'm sorry, your your yield per acre is high and you never have that yeah. loss in quality or not never. But there's a right. beautiful line where you can grow, you know, four tons of Grenache per acre. That's an extra couple grand. So it's great from farming. Um, everybody wants it. It's like, it goes awesome in a GSM. Uh, it's yeah, yeah. awesome. If you do a carbonic, it's awesome. If you make it into a rosé. it's, and that's what I mean. It is yeah. the utility. It's the middle linebacker that can also be a running back of wine. And it is awesome. Yeah. It plays yeah. both ways. Every down, yeah. you know? I love it. It's yeah. And then there's Cab where it's just like, you know, it's just such a king grape. I love Grenache Blanc. So I guess that falls into the Grenache category. Um, yeah. You know, there's so many things that are like when you say choose between your kids, dude, I could totally. Sometimes you have a kid that you're like, what a jerk, you know? And you're like, yeah. quit being a dick. Um, right. And right. then you have other times where, you know, the, the other one's throwing toot and, you know, you kind of getting along with the other one. It's like, do I love them both? Oh yeah. I love them both infinitely, but it's like, which one do you like right now? That changes, that changes week to week. Yeah. That's funny. Cool, man. Well, that was all the questions I'd, I had, uh, I had written down. Awesome. What what else Um, do you want? I mean, this is, I hope you're having a good time. I hope I'm answering these. Yeah, no, great. Yeah, no. And, um, We'll be at uh, we'll be at Everson Royce in a couple of weeks, and you come. Oh down. yeah, that's going to be awesome. We're really looking forward to it. Yeah. A little quick story about that. So somebody asked me sure. the other day, "Well, why are you you guys don't sell wholesale?" And I said, "No, we don't." They said, "Why are you right. going to do this tour in Everson Royce Bar and then Silver Lake Wine and Everson Royce?" And I I don't know if I've ever told this story publicly, but way back in the day when, uh, or I could I, I'll probably tell it there, but um the reason we come down and do this is because without that family, that group of people at what used to be just silver Lake wine, there probably wouldn't be a Sarlis and sons because, uh, they sent a guy, Matt Kaner, who's now like Psalm of the year in LA when he was just like a, a manager at the shop. They said, go find wines. No one's ever heard of. And he found us on our hillside on Ballard Canyon. The one I take all the photos of and he, we drank yeah, yeah. wine together and he's like, this is great. I'm like, really? Really? And it was like somebody telling you what you've been doing is good. And yeah. they brought it down and they actually would sell our wine at the at the shop. And now Matt Kaner's gone on to, you know, have Bar Covell and a bunch of other uh not St. Augustine, but 
yeah, Augustine's and a couple other tons of other stuff. We just, yeah, he's yeah. just the man. I love that guy. But, um, you know, without that little boost of confidence of you should do more of this, this is better than what people are doing that are doing it professionally. Um, yeah. Without them, there probably wouldn't be one. And so when they go, Hey, come on down, let's do a, like a three day week. We'll bring, we will bring an ungodly amount of wine and I will sweat my brains out, making sure we sell every single bottle for them. Huh. And right. it, because it's like, you, you can't forget the people that have, that if, if it wasn't they for would, them, you would, you wouldn't be where you are. You know what I mean? Right. And my kids are, I'm taking my kids out of school so they can go and be there and see what we do. And my daughter couldn't make it last year and cash got to go. And she was super upset, which is really weird parenting. Cause you're like, we're going to go to three bars. It's going to be great. And they're like, I can't wait, you know? So yeah, we're going to be funny. pouring my daughter's wine there. And then uh, a Grenache, our blood Syrah, which nobody's really had and courage. Oh, cool. So I'm super stoked, dude. Thank you. Number one, thank you so much for coming out and supporting, but um, I thought I should tell that story, but yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Yeah. And, and, you, definitely, you definitely don't forget those people. Dude, never, never. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's honestly, this has been super great. We're at 57 minutes, so we're killing it. But yeah. I wanted to say thank you for inviting me to talk with you, man. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. No, no, thank you. This is a, this is an honor. I'm stoked, man. Do you have one last question? It could take three minutes and I promise I'll be quick. If you don't um, say no, then we don't have to, and we're good. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, what's uh, this is one? Uh, what's the best part of the year in the business for you now? Like, what's in the calendar of the of the oh, wine? What's your favorite part? You know what I love? I love that. Um, like when you said, you know, I'm happy to be eighty percent. I yeah. I am a hundred percent an eighty six percenter. Yeah, and what I mean by that is, <clears throat> my brother played professional baseball. And he was a hundred percenter, right? He gave his right. life to something. And I just thought there were so many other things that I wanted to do that I couldn't give my life over to one thing. But I love to do so many different things that I became like 86% good at like 50 things rather right. than being hundred percent good at one. Right. And what I love about wine is that it's constantly changing. Like right now we're going through bud break and then bud break will go to training and all of that. But then I love communicating. I love, you know, shaking hands with people that come to the tasting room or, you know, I work every Saturday, like in that back room where I'll sit down and people, you know, you, you bring six or more people call ahead and you can sit down with me in the back and I will talk to you about everything. Yeah. And I love that. I love designing labels even though it's really really hard i love you know going through harvest even though that's really really hard and exhausting i like the winemaking side of it i'm super proud of my cousin greg who has really uh you know surpassed me in knowledge i'm really happy that we you know we could even give him a place where he could do that right if this wasn't here then that wouldn't have happened right and i think there's there's so much like I always say, the wine has given me so much, I can never give it back. I can never give back to it as much. And I think the the best feeling in the world, and my dad and I said it to each other this morning, is, you know, if I wake up in the morning, I could say to myself, I'm going to go, I'm going to take a day off. I'm going to go do whatever I want. 
And I, I always love that he and I will both, we will both go to the vineyard every wow, morning yeah. and we will both yeah. go to our office and we'll both go to see each other or, you know, just make a drone video or take a picture or do something where it's like, this is what I want to yeah. do. And when I was a kid, I didn't know this was a job. And when, you know, up until cash came, I didn't think I could ever do anything like this. And I'm so grateful for all the things that have ever happened to me. And, and now here we are talking about all this great stuff because of yeah. this place, you know, and I feel really honored by it. So dude, you're going to be a great dad. If you're already asking these questions, man. Yeah. Thanks. Here's my go back to, cause wine's, yeah. you know, wine's, awesome but kids are really <laughs> awesome yeah my suggestion to you is enjoy it because i have a 13 year old and a nine-year-old now and i love them to death but read slow yeah. you know what i mean read the book slow to your kids and suck it up and take too many photos don't you know don't shove them down anybody's throat and don't you know create a whole separate instagram account yeah, for yeah, your baby yeah, pictures yeah right um and you know what? And become closer to your wife through this right. process. I mean, you, you are going from number one in her life to probably number right. four. And there's going to be a bunch of times where you are the, you're the pack mule. And, uh, that that's yeah. tough for guys. It yeah. just always is. And I think for the next 16 months, at least it is a F it is an exercise in humility and support and care and love. And that's not a lot of things that right. men were taught, you know, and, but you are going to be in the thick of it. So read books slow and be the support your wife needs. And once a quarter, go out with your buddies and just blow the wheels off as hard as you can and uh, come back and be very yeah. grateful for your family. So that, cool. That's my advice. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks cool. a lot, Levi. Hey, do you, so Levi, where can people find you, dude? If they want to, if they want to look into your life, no, if you're no, private, yeah, you don't have to say anything. If you have something got, to promote, I mean, tell me. I mean, my Instagram is Levi Jelano, spelled just that. And, uh, no, you no. better spell it. Okay, spell yeah. Levi Jelano. <laughs> I thought, I thought maybe it'd be on the pod, but yeah, it's on the, it's a uh, Levi, L-E-V-I Jelano, G-E-L-I-N-E-A-U. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook or whatever and Twitter even. Um, and, uh, and what do you do? What are you – I hear what you're passionate about. What do you yeah. do for a job? Um, we I never talked about that. Yeah, I sell insurance. Um, I, awesome. I work – actually, I work next door to my grandfather. I've, so seven years ago, I came into this business to kind of work with his clients, and I've, I've grown the business a ton since then. And I, what's, what, what's really cool is I've partnered uh, – we're partnered uh, with a partnership. It's actually 13 people and um, – it's been neat to kind of work, have to work with people um, to find out what leadership kind of really is. And, uh, but some of those partners are my family, my brother, my aunt, uh, my uncle. Awesome. Um, so it's really, yes, yeah, so it's been really cool. Uh, so yeah, it's just, I, I drive around, I, I drive 35,000 miles a year um, visiting clients and seeing businesses and seeing family businesses. And so, yeah, that's basically, that's my, that's kind of my hustle, but um uh, yeah. So, awesome. Yeah. That's my, that's some, some. bless this hustle. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. 
Levi, thank you so much. Thank you for turning the tables on me. I hope uh, everybody enjoyed this. And if you would like to be on this show, drop me a email, just like Levi did. Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at Sarlos, S is in Sam, A-A-R-L-O-O-S, and sons.com. If you're listening to this, you know how to spell Sarlos. That was so stupid. All right. Well, thank you, Eli. A minute, an hour, four minutes. People will probably have to chew this up twice. Thank you, guys. We'll talk to you soon. That is Finish the Bottle with Levi and Keith. Have a great day. <laughs>